You are listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. Imagine this, your child life phone rings. A patient just found out he has cancer and he's beside himself. Your phone rings again. A terrified four-year-old needs you in room 11. And you remember, you're receiving a donation of 500 teddy bears in five minutes and all on your very own. Today's podcast is called The One and Only, with Child Life Specialist guest Dana Thornquist, who shares about her experience being the one and only Child Life Specialist for her entire hospital. Now, here's this week's Honest Story. Thank you so much for being here, Dana. Yeah, thank you for having me, Allie. We're actually recording in my car right now. (laughs) Outside Panera. Yes, so we will see how this all goes. We're really excited to hear from you what it's like um, as you're a child life specialist in a hospital on your own, and you're the only child life specialist there. Yep, I'm a one-person program, so I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, What sort of things interested you about the job that you're in now? Really what made me want this job badly was my first interview. Um, I didn't really actually know much about child life at this hospital before Mm -hmm. going, but in my interview, the main woman interviewing me, she actually had a list compiled from feedback from all of the staff about what they were looking for in their next child life specialist. Oh, wow. And when she started reading through the list, I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of my passions. And that's one of my passions. And I know I'm good at that. So hearing Mm. some of the things, you know, that they valued, procedural support, someone that takes initiative, someone that really um, prioritizes the hands-on part with the kids and helps them through new diagnoses, hearing that really got me excited because I knew that I was the person that could do that. That's awesome. And that's so neat as a new applicant, too, that you sound like you just had a lot of self-awareness about your strengths and about um, kind of the ways that make you unique as a child life specialist and your giftedness. Right, right. And um, being in grad school and doing all the reflective supervision, I think, really helps you learn what your strengths are, what your specific passions are in this field, because there truly are so many different settings and so many different aspects to child life. Mm-hmm. And did you know right off the bat that it was a one-person program as well for child life? So I did know that when I applied, um, but actually one of my big things when I went into the interview was I wanted to gauge um, to see if the staff was interested in growing the program long term. Um, Being a one-person program in a hospital that does have so many different pediatric areas, I really hoped that they were interested in growing it over time. Mm -hmm. So that was one of my questions I asked in my interview. And, you know, in five, 10 years, do you see this program growing? And they did respond yes to that. So again, I knew that that was one of my long-term goals over time was to get child life in different areas than they were specifically Mm -hmm. hiring. Mm -hmm. And then when they were receptive to that, that also got me excited. Yeah, Yeah. right. Where you kind of were able to test um, the support system in some ways and like the the receptiveness to child life and to your new ideas as well. Exactly. And that's kind of the first thing. They were hiring for pediatric inpatient and pediatric intensive care unit specifically. So I was really able to get the vibe of what how they perceive child life, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is, you know, one tip to ask when you are interviewing is how does your hospital perceive child life? Because it really Mm -hmm. does look different. At every setting. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Did you have any hesitations about this job in general? 
Yeah, well, honestly, my hesitation was, can I do this? You know, not only is it one person program slightly intimidating, you're by yourself, you have every responsibility. um, But I was so new in the field. So I remember thinking like, they're not going to hire me. You know, at first, that's that's how I was talking is, you know, yeah, I'm doing this interview, but there's no way they're going to pick someone so new to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really was it, my second interview when they were reading off those goals and that I thought, OK, I do have this experience. You know, even though I'm new to the field, you can't um, diminish the volunteer work, the internship, all of that stuff truly builds to your experience, even though it's not paid experience yet. Mm, absolutely. To not underestimate the experience that you had, that you were ready for this, right. even if it feels like a daunting task. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about the first day. Like, how did you orient? What was it like? Yeah. Did you have support? Yeah, I definitely had support. Um, you know, one of the challenges and differences in a one-person program is orientation is not with a child life specialist. Um, the child life specialist before me ran everything. So, and now I'm coming into a job where it's someone in a different role that is trying to train me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that person doesn't fully understand every detail of what the child life specialist was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a lot of me having to tell them, this is what I need. These are the things that I need, which was fine. And they, you know, gave me the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, my boss is actually the patient care director of pediatrics. So, she was very organized and created an entire orientation for me, but it was really, you know, maybe four hours. And then my first afternoon, I was already jumping right in. Um, oh, were you? Yeah. My first day mm-hmm. I was sorting Halloween costumes, <laughs> going through like a giant storage closet, trying to see if we had Halloween costumes for different age groups. Um, Cause I started two weeks before Halloween, which is a really oh, big man. event at this hospital. Uh-huh. So it was kind of like, Hey, thank goodness you're here. Halloween's two weeks away. This is what we're doing. You need to do this and this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. So um, I think kind of in general with one person programs, it really is jumping right in and figuring things out as you go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did it feel overwhelming with all the different things you had to do? All the different responsibilities? And it's just you? (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does feel overwhelming. Um, I think you just kind of have to take things day by day and be realistic with yourself. But right, I mean, I had to plan a party before I even have a key to get in the storage room that has the supplies, wow. before I even know what the room that the party's going to be in looks like, you know. So it definitely adds a new intensity having so much responsibility so quickly. I'm sure. Yeah. So how did you prioritize? Like, what, how did you figure out what the immediate goals were when you began? Yeah, so... Really starting right at the beginning of holiday season, every child life specialist knows that, you know, once October hits, it's really just quickly Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and all of these holidays right back to back. So these events kind of had my had to be my priority right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also learning the basics. One other interesting thing about starting in this role is it was a five month gap between the last child life specialist Mm -hmm. and me. Mm -hmm. So not only am I starting this new role, but it's been five months without child life. Right. So the pile of problems, you know, the amount of problems that had piled up, 
in that five months was huge that nobody mm. knew how to handle. Mm. Oh, we have this person reaching out and wanting to start a program. And, oh, the Wii's don't work. How do you <laughs> fix these? And wow. So some of those little things did have to be a priority right away to just get the resources started back up mm-hmm. again, get the special program started back up again that were already in place but kind of on hiatus. Mm-hmm. What about patient problems? Did those seem to be quickly identified, or was it more administration and um, technology-driven? More administration was kind of the initial few weeks, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think one reason why they hired me and why they liked me was because I always say that the patient care is going to come first before all of those things. Yeah. So, you know, one of my first goals was really to try to be as accessible as possible to staff. Mm -hmm. You know, staff isn't going to grab me or trust me until I show them. So I really did want... I didn't want to say no when a nurse would come to me and ask about help with a certain problem. Right. So despite all the things I still had to figure out and plan the Halloween party and all of this, when a nurse said that she was doing an IV or said that um, a patient was having a hard time coping, I would still go and make that a priority. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was it like meeting patients the first time? Did you independently decide to start doing that on your own? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, I really kind of gave myself a week to get settled where I wasn't seeing every patient. But after that first week, I said, I want to see every single patient every day this week. So our great goal. Yeah. So whether that was a quick check-in and dropping off toys to make sure they have distraction items, um, I really did start doing that right away. Mm -hmm. So then maybe my day would look like half of the day was that patient part, and then I would dedicate the afternoon Mm. to getting some of those other small tasks done and Mm -hmm. orientation stuff. That's a great idea to kind of have um, short-term goals for yourself and then even a schedule for the day on how you want it to go. One of the perks of being, I'm sure, your own own department in this way too. Yeah, yeah. How how about... um, the long-term goals? Like what were some of the things that you really want to see accomplished at your hospital? Um, One of the first long-term goals was the volunteer program. Um, Like I said, a kind of five months without a supervisor, the volunteers are really, they haven't been supported at all. So imagine being a brand new volunteer, your first time in the hospital, showing up to your first day, and there's no one there to tell you what to do. Right. Um, Oh, my goodness. So that was kind of, I wanted to revamp the child life orientation, um, really increase the number of volunteers. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's only me, I rely heavily on volunteers. They're They're my coworkers. They're my only other people that are able, you know, to spend that time playing with the kids Mm -hmm. which unfortunately sometimes has to take the back burner for me from this other stuff you know I'm not able to sit in the playroom for four hours ever so really trying to increase the number of volunteers we have try to create a program where they feel supported so that they want to come back and you know they feel comfortable so that our kids feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so that was one of the you know initial long-term goals um as I mentioned, too, I want to grow child life, not only yeah. into more people, but into other areas of the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm in pediatrics and intensive care, but we also have a pediatric surgery unit that child life has never stepped foot in. And mm-hmm. that's a problem. That's right. a huge problem. You right. know, surgery has proven to be one of the most 
one of the places where kids are most anxious. They hear surgery and they think, you're cutting me open, you know. They they have so many misconceptions. So really trying to in-service these different staff areas, um, radiology and MRIs and things like that as well, um, as well as some outpatient clinic support. Over time, I want to be able to educate about the importance of child life and then get some higher up people on my side to really try to hire and support these other areas. Definitely. That sounds like a great plan of, in some ways, you're doing what you're doing of like modeling for these nurses, being present, doing these administration tasks, but then also trying to really utilize your resources and connect with the people that can really have the power to get you more support too. Right. And it, it really is long term, you know, I can't come in and say, I, you need child life here and here and here before they even know what I can do. Right. Um, you know, I don't know what child life looked like before I got there. If they, if the child life specialist prior to me had similar goals or similar passions. So, you know, I really want to earn staff's trust, show them what I can do, Mm -hmm. show them, you know, how beneficial child life is. And then that's, you know, the first step. Right. Absolutely. Now, as far as what you do on a daily basis, can you walk me through like just a typical day? Like, not like yes. that is a thing in child <laughs> life. That's not a thing. Yes, but like, um, what are some of the things that you see with patients? What are some of the interventions that you provide? Yeah. So, typical day, like I said, I check in with every single patient. Um, a lot of our patients, because of the population, it's kind of inner city Chicago. Um, there isn't a ton of parental presence, mm-hmm. so that is important to kind of focus on. If there's not a parent there, how am I going to support this young child or teen? You know, no matter what the age, make mm-hmm. sure that they understand, make sure that they know that I'm here for them since a parent is not. You kind of have to step in and be the caregiver for that day. Um, so that's a priority when I'm doing my check-ins. But then also learning about what is going on with the kids that day. So talking to the nurses, finding out if there are procedures scheduled Mm -hmm. so that I can prep kids. Um, A lot of our kids are are cancer. Um, Sickle cell is also a really big population. So with kids with sickle cell, um, chronic pain is, Mm. you know, one of the biggest issues. Mm -hmm. So if a kid is in pain crisis, they would be admitted for on average a week Mm. Um, so when I see that, that's instantly a priority to me. Of course they have medicine to manage their pain, but what other skills do they need? Um, if this is obviously something that they've lived with, but do they know other coping techniques, what to do to help manage that when the medicine isn't working? Mm Because that's very common. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of looking at what diagnoses and what different, um, what different hurdles and challenges that comes along with that is important. Sure. And then being there for the procedures mm-hmm. is a huge priority too. Mm-hmm. What's it like for you to have to say no? Like, can you tell me about a time that really stands out in your mind when you've had to say no, um, whether that be to a meeting or a patient or, you know, some sort of child life intervention? Yeah. Um, one of the most common I see, and I'm sure a lot of child life specialists can relate to this, is the staff member will call me and will say, oh, you know, this kid is really bored. Can you come play with him for an hour? His mom has to leave. Hmm. Well, the second it's phrased like that to me, you're not asking me to work on something that they're having trouble coping. You're asking me to come babysit. Right. So 
of course, making sure that the child has play items and distraction items is a priority. But, you know, this case specifically, I had worked with this girl for two hours in the morning. Oh, wow. Already. So you've already spent So I've already her. done my interventions. We did syringe painting and we did medical play and we played in the playroom. And then I'm leaving to go on to the next thing and the staff member calls me saying can you come sit with a girl for an hour? Mm. You know, that's a case where I am firmly going to say no because mm-hmm. I'm not a babysitter. This girl already got my support, and when there's 20 other kids and I've already dedicated two hours to one kid, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's not fair right. to the f- patients and families. Right. What sort of phrases would you use when you're saying no? Like, how, <laughs> how would you express um, that to the nurse? So I always first thank them for calling because, mm-hmm. honestly— Nurses don't call us for a lot of things. And as child life specialists, we want to be informed. We want to be called when the nurses think it's something that we can support. Mm -hmm. So I would first say, you know, thank you so much for thinking of calling child life and calling me. You know, I did already spend two hours with this patient Mm -hmm. and I have to prioritize other patients right now. Right. Even saying specifically, I have the kid in chronic pain that I really need to go support. Mm -hmm. So I'm so sorry. I'm not able to come sit Mm -hmm. um, with the kid right now. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, brainstorming, oh, could we call the tech to come and sit with them? Or you could go in the playroom with her. Do you have time to sit with them? And kind of helping still try to problem solve so that someone can be there Mm -hmm. to solve, Mm -hmm. you know, the issue of the child being alone. Right, right. That's wonderful, Dana. It's a good thing for people to be prepared to say no. It's never an easy thing, but um, being able to empower other people in other roles, even when you don't have the volunteer support necessary to do it, I'm sure has been something unique to navigate. Now, you kind of alluded to this earlier when you're talking about volunteers and how in some ways they're like your only coworkers in some ways or colleagues. How has it been just being on your own and not having people that really are in the thick of it, that understand child life? Has it felt lonely? Has it been harder than you expected? Honestly, it has not been as hard as I've expected. I think, Mm -hmm. like you just phrased it, I felt like I'm going to be alone and no one's going to understand. But I think when you are alone, you find your allies and other staff members. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the social worker on our unit, for example, she gets the same, she goes through the same things. You know, Mm -hmm. she experiences pushback in hers or people not understanding her role. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to kind of talk to her and check in with her. Um, Another ally I would call we actually have a Chicago public school teacher at our hospital oh great um so she's doing a lot of play-based interventions with the kids Mm -hmm. just like me um so I'm able to go to her Mm -hmm. and the nurses too you know there are nurses who I rely on to get through my shift because I know that they have similar goals as me or Mm -hmm. even just like talking to them for two minutes and hearing telling them that I'm excited about something Mm -hmm. I do that all the time you know I got a new special chemo duck in the mail and instead mm-hmm. of just being excited about it by myself I'm going to go and say, tell one of the nurses guess what look what I just got for our kids who have a port this is so exciting yeah. and then not only is it me sharing my experiences but it's educating other people about right. what types of things I have mm. so I think I don't feel alone um, but just in kind of some of the things where not having someone who understands exactly what you're going through mm-hmm. who understands exactly what it means to support 
um, a, de- a family through a death or something that is really so intense that you really want someone to just cry with. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I've got great um, relationships with other child life specialists from my past jobs that I know I can always talk to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really neat to hear of how, in some ways, it, it sounds like a perspective shift, mm-hmm. if anything else. Instead of seeing, like, oh, that you're the only one, instead of seeing who are your other people in your corner right. that you can utilize and rely on that also might be able to give even different perspectives to things too right. um, based on their different professions. So now that you've been doing this for um, several months, you've been thriving as a, a one-person program, what yeah. were some of the most rewarding moments so far? Yeah, there, it's so hard to choose because even the smallest successes are so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the most rewarding was finishing off my first December as a child life specialist. <laughs> I never really I understood. I knew that holiday season was crazy, but I never really understood it. And mm-hmm. doing it alone was a whole nother uh, beast. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, especially like I mentioned, this population, these kids need Christmas presents and they need these items and these events to look forward to. So I was able to, for example, work with a company called Exhibit for Smiles who Mm. answered exact Christmas wishes for 230 kids with chronic illness. Wow. Um, That's amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And it was a lot of work to try to get these wishes and Mm -hmm. refer all of the kids. But... That they actually then got to come to the hospital for a full day. We set up a hot chocolate bar and we set up games and they got to come and have their moment in the room and sit in the special chair and open their gift. Oh my goodness. And it was, that was so rewarding. You know, moments mm. like that make everything, all the hard work worth it, seeing how something so small can really change a kid's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and going back to the phone thing, Nurses call me all day long now, and that is very oh. rewarding for me. Um, the child life specialist before me didn't carry an IP phone, uh-huh. so she wasn't as accessible because she couldn't have been without you know that attached to her hip the whole time. So I think staff has really, I basically demanded that mm. I would get that. <laughs> um, and I think staff has been really receptive to it because I do always answer, and I mm. am able to you know help and try to be as present as possible. So the fact that I do have nurses calling me for procedures and calling me when they see wow. um, something that a child specifically needs has been really, really great to see. Mm. And what a testament to, to the work that you're doing as a child life specialist, that they know that you're easily accessible um, yeah. and that not only that, but that it's worth the phone call to you because they've firsthand seen the difference that you make in the hospital setting. So thank you so much for sharing. And what we're going to be doing on the Child Life Cooperative podcast is concluding our time together with a rapid five. That's what I call it. So um, asking five different questions that involve short, brief answers, um, just as kind of a fun way to, to close out the segment. So are you ready? I'm ready. Five. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so, number one, finish the sentence. I would not survive my shift without my minion look and find book. Ooh, okay. <laughs> number two, a way you feel encouraged in your job. Um, I just had a mom tell me the other day who, um, her patient's been going to the hospital for a year that since I started working, the unit is much more lively. Oh, and that, was really that nice is to hear. so awesome. Yeah. I love that. Number three, favorite thing on your to-do list right now? 
recruit staff members to get their head shaved for our St. Baldrick's event. Ooh, no way. Yes. I love that. Yes. Good luck. <laughs> love to see a picture of that. Number four, one word to describe what it is like to start from scratch to be a single child life program. Innovation and really using your creativity and bringing your original spin um, to create your program. Mm, Awesome. And then number five, what is one main piece of advice for someone starting from scratch as a single child life program? Um, My biggest piece of advice would be to be patient with yourself. Mm. Um, You are going to have a lot of goals, but things can't happen overnight. Nothing good happens in one day. Wonderful words of wisdom. A big thank you to Dana for openly sharing her real and honest stories as a certified child life specialist, as she's the one and only at her hospital. And also thank you all so much for listening to this podcast today. We would love for you to subscribe to the Child Life Cooperative podcast to continue hearing these stories from certified child life professionals. And I'd also like to say to be sure to check out our website, childlifecooperative.com. Uh, We have weekly blog posts, additional resources, especially for students, and it's also an opportunity to share in the Child Life Cooperative community. So we'd love for you to join. May we all continue to lean into the mission of the Child Life Cooperative by learning through reflection, uniting for support, and equipping students to continue the child life profession. Thank you all so much.